our Old Testament reading will be the basis for today's message and is from Isaiah chapter 7. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask for a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the, the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since that day when Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Beyond this place of wrath and tears leams but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That's the conclusion of a familiar poem titled Invictus by William Ernest Henry. A, a poem that communicates this thing that we want so badly to be truth with a diabolical strength that pulls our hearts to, to yearn for it, to be the master of our fate, to be the captain of our soul. The context of our scripture reading for today, Isaiah chapter 7, Ahaz yearned to be the master of his fate. He wanted so desperately to be the captain of his own soul. I'm going to unpack the context of Isaiah chapter 7 very briefly. Just acknowledge the fact that this is not all of the context. There's a lot going on and Take this as kind of an introduction for your opportunity to go back tonight, read Isaiah chapter 6 to 11, and let this be kind of an intro to you. Because in the scripture text for today, there are a lot of political powers at play. Ahaz, in the context of this message, has Israel and Syria coming against his kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. If you see, Israel, which is titled here as Aram or Damascus, and Syria are a lot bigger than Judah. This was, Ahaz had plenty of reason to be scared of these kingdoms in an alliance against him. They were going to wipe out Judah and establish their own king. But what does Ahaz do in the face of all of this? He is the master of his fate. He is the captain of his soul. And so he steps back and becomes a puppet master pulling the strings of political powers. And he throws some cash up to the king of Assyria who is north of Aram and Israel. 
and asks him to wage war on them from the north. And if they're waging a war on the north, well, then they can't wage war on the south. It's a pretty solid plan. As Ahaz looks at his situation and takes matters into his own hands. The only problem is when Isaiah comes onto the scene. Just before our text this morning, Isaiah comes to Ahaz with a gospel message. He says, be silent, be quiet, don't fear, your God will fight for you. Just sit there and do nothing, Ahaz, and God will deliver you. And the words that Isaiah ends with before leading into our scripture reading for this morning is be firm in faith. And if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Political powers aside, the problem for Ahaz was that he did not trust in the Lord his God. And so what does God do? He decides to send his prophet Isaiah to Ahaz to draw faith out of him. Ask the Lord for a sign, not so that Isaiah would be a magician who has a sign plan, but so that Ahaz would speak the sign so that he would know that the Lord is the one true God. This isn't a magic trick, but this is the Lord delivering a true sign to his chosen king. And Ahaz treats the prophet Isaiah like a kind of nutty guy in shaggy clothing, kind of unkept. And he hears him for a minute because he's kind of embarrassed by him. But when Isaiah insists on a sign that Ahaz doesn't believe that he can produce, he keeps him at arm's length. Because Ahaz is too busy for that stuff. He's got big things going on. He's got Israel and Aram to deal with. He can't bother himself to hear a sign from the prophet of God, so he masks his busyness with this kind of pious answer, I will not put the Lord to the test. But Ahaz isn't in control of God. And God makes that abundantly clear. If God wants to give a sign, he's going to give a sign. And so he does. Isaiah says, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Which for Ahaz really isn't good news. Because this almighty, sovereign God who's in control of everything, now he's in the room. And when he's in the room, Ahaz is not the master of his fate. He is not the captain of his soul. When God comes to be with his people, God is in control. And it's unmistakable. That's bad news for the people who don't trust in him. That's bad news for the people who want to be the master of their own soul. It's a chilling reality for Ahaz that God is with him. And it's often a chilling reality for us too. I want to be the master of my fate. I want to be the captain of my soul. 
And sure, when I look at the world, things don't always go the way I want them to. Maybe, maybe your finances aren't exactly what you want them to be, but that's okay because you've got a plan. You've got, you've got a plot that you can carry out and get them to where you need to be. And then that last bill comes. The one you didn't expect. Emmanuel. God is with us. I'm not the master. Or maybe for you it's your health. You decide that you are going to live a long time. You're going to have a healthy life. And so you eat well. You exercise well. You hate spinach, but gosh darn it, you're going to eat it every day. And then the diagnosis comes. Emmanuel, God is with us. You are not the master. I don't know if any of you have seen the TV series Chosen. It's a great series. It's not the Bible translated into film literally, but if you Google the Chosen, it's a great message through every episode. And there's this one episode where it focuses on the life of Nathaniel. From the scriptures, we know almost nothing about Nathaniel. And so the TV series takes Nathaniel and makes him an extremely relatable character. Because Nathaniel is an architect. And he gives himself to his career because he wants so badly to be the best Jewish architect this world has ever seen. Nathaniel's dream is to build things around the temple of God to glorify him through it. And Nathaniel has plans to make it happen. So he gives himself completely to his craft. And then in an instant, like the snap of, the, of his fingers, something in a project he's working on goes wrong that's out of his control. A building collapses, killing a few of his workers, and his career is finished. He comes to that chilling realization that God is with him and he is not the master of his fate. In the book of Isaiah, God is with us. And that can be a chilling reality. It is for Ahaz as Isaiah's children are the word made flesh and and their names mean a remnant shall remain, which is this ambiguous term of law and gospel. And the second child, quick, spoil, hurry, plunder. Another ambivalent word. As he doesn't specify who will be spoiled, who will be plundered. Will it be Israel? Will it be Aram? Will it be Judah? Will it be all of them? But Isaiah's word for us is a little bit different. Because Isaiah's prophecy is like looking through a telescope with multiple lenses of fulfillment that ultimately focus in our gospel reading today on the child Jesus Christ. His sign, Emmanuel, the virgin shall conceive and give birth, looks ahead through multiple fulfillments. It looks ahead to Jesus Christ. And in our gospel lesson today, the angel announces and makes it clear that the phrase Emmanuel finds its full fulfillment in the person of Jesus. 
And as this little baby comes to earth and we see God with us, we can't help but wonder with all of creation, is this God who is now with us in the flesh, is he for us? Jesus would be the answer to that question. As those who want to be the master of their fate conspire against Jesus as a child, as an adult, as Jesus grows up into his ministry, he brings healing to the sick. He brings freedom to the demon-oppressed. He brings welcome to sinners and to those who are the master of their fate. He delivers to them the law of God. And yet those who are the master of their fate, they conspire together against Jesus. The only thing in history that Caiaphas, Herod, and Pilate ever agreed on together was that this God who is with us needs to die. This God who is with us needs to go to a cross. And as they carry out their plot to be the master of their own fate, as they carry out their own conspiracy, Jesus carries out his plan. It's from the cross he looks down and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And here on the cross, we see a God who is unmistakably with us and for us. Emmanuel, God is with us. God with us is like a semi-truck with a landscaping trailer hitched onto it. He's going to go in his own direction. And when, when people like Herod and Pilate and Caiaphas insist on being the master of their own fate, it's like putting the landscaping trailer in front of the semi-truck and trying to merge onto the highway. But for those of us who recognize that God is in fact with us, we are pulled along in the way that Jesus will take us. On this highway of holiness, on this highway to heaven, we are pulled along, sometimes through deserts, sometimes through ice storms and hailstorms, but we are pulled along until we find our eternal home where we are with this God who is for us forever. As a pastor, one of the privileges of being a pastor is the opportunity to visit the saints when they're sick, to go to hospital rooms. And entering into those hospital rooms, sometimes it feels like this almost mystical experience where God's presence is a little bit more real there. And so often, so often, I get to hear the stories of the saints who recognize that God is with them in their situation. And the question sometimes comes up, is this God who is with me really for me? I had the opportunity to visit with this one woman who shared with me, kind of sheepishly, I was angry at God. 
And I thought, well, no wonder you were angry at God. You've been in this hospital room for over a week. She said that her pain level was between an eight and a nine the entire time. I'd be angry at God too. But she continued from there, saying, I was angry with God, recognizing that God was with her in this. But as I went through this experience, I realize how God has brought me so much closer to him. And even though I want it to end, I wouldn't trade it. Because she recognizes that no matter what God pulls her through, it's all a part of the journey of pulling her through to eternity with himself. God is with us. God is with us now. God is with us through Christ on the cross. God is for us. God is with us and for us forever. Amen.